Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to the first round of the playoffs. It's going to be so much fun with Timberwolves and Grizzlies and Jazz and Mavericks and Bucks and Heat and Celtics and Nets and all kinds of fun matchups. BetOnline is your one-stop shop for all your gambling needs during the first round. Use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is episode 114 of Wired Up. I hope you all are having a fantabulous weekend, however and whenever it is you may be stopping in. You might be enjoying the first day of playoff basketball, which two weeks from now will not matter at all. It's just really, really fun to watch for the first weekend because you've been starved of playoff basketball, of basketball with actual stakes for months and months and months, and now we have basketball that actually matters. Basketball playoffs are a marathon, not a sprint, so don't pretend like the first day actually matters in the grand scheme of things. Like It is not that important. The first game of the first series is is not as important in terms of the stakes, but it matters. And we find love all over again in some of these fun teams because one of the least downloaded podcasts we've ever recorded in our history was that time that the Orlando Magic in the NBA bubble beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the first game of the first round. And we all wanted to believe in Orlando Magic because DJ Augustine, Mr. Game 1, who beat the champion Toronto Raptors in 2019 in one game before losing in five, and beat the Minnesota or the Milwaukee Bucks in 2020, who would go on to win the championship less than a year later. It was magical. It was fun. DJ Augustine was Mr. Playoff or Mr. Game One for the Orlando Magic. And we loved that Orlando team because it was a small market loser who was putting all their chips on the table trying to just get a first round victory with Vukovic as their best player. And winning, by the way, winning a playoff game before the Lakers won a playoff game after the Dwight Howard trade, which I cannot emphasize enough how funny that is, that Orlando ended up winning a playoff game seven years after the Dwight Howard trade, and it was still faster than the Lakers took in order to win a playoff game. So yeah, Orlando was a team we fell in love with, and I find myself falling in love all over again with these Minnesota Timberwolves, these Minnesota Timberwolves who jumped up on the, on the table and just took their jerseys off and celebrated momentously when they made the play in Minnesota beat the Grizzlies in game one. And I am so Minnesota feverish right now. I know they're going to lose the series. They might lose the series in five. In fact, I think there's a good chance this series ends up being three, one, 
Memphis in the lead by the time it's all said and done. And yet, wouldn't it be so great if Minnesota could go on a run? Because what Minnesota has is three top 50 players in the NBA. And it's super cool that they've already got three top 50 players in the NBA because of how bad the last 15 years have been for Minnesota. And so here on this fine Wired Up, I wanted to bring back our oral history segment. And remember, if you want some of our oral histories from the past, you can always find them on a separate podcast feed that I made. The link is in the CKSAML Productions link tree thing in the description. If you liked like the Lions one we did in the past or the Rams one, or uh, I think we also have, well, there's a few of them in there that I've got. I've got an archive of nine of them that I'm slowly uploading. The Gonzaga one, the Clemson one, like we've done a bunch of these in the past, the San Diego Chargers, et cetera, et cetera. If you like that segment we did, I, I kind of have a store of those archives, but we got Minnesota Timberwolves today because the last 15 years have been really interesting for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And gosh, I've fallen in love with the Ant-Man who, you know, he's the true number one. And Carl Towns had an amazing game against Memphis. I don't think D'Angelo Russell really did anything this time, but D'Angelo Russell had 28 points in the play-in. D'Angelo Russell had t- had a terrible game, I'm just realizing. Two for 11 from the field, 10 points. Patrick Beverly was more efficient than him, but Carl Towns, 29-13. Ant-Man, 36 points. Oh, the Ant-Man was so good against Memphis. Memphis didn't have any second option against the Timberwolves after Ja Morant, even though Dylan Brooks did have 24. It was a super inefficient 24. Well, I guess moderately inefficient 24. He shot, he took 13 shots. And the Minnesota Timberwolves just got it done. Oh, it was so great. And so with that, we have our oral history of the Minnesota Timberwolves coming at you here today. 30 minutes of what happened the last 15 years to get Minnesota to this place. I think you guys will enjoy it. New sponsor alert. It's the good people over at creditkarma.com sponsoring the Take It Easy podcast. Credit Karma can help you look for a low-interest personal loan that could help you save money while you pay off a purchase or pay down old credit card debt. Credit Karma compares loan offers for free, and it will not affect your credit score to use creditkarma.com. If you're ready to apply, you can use the link in the description to this episode or head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. Creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. So earlier this week, we got super invested in the Minnesota Timberwolves story and how they should absolutely have been standing up on tables at the stadium taking off their jerseys Patrick Beverly throwing it into the crowd and crying and running around the court yeah they absolutely should have been doing that because the Minnesota Timberwolves just had their greatest moment in 15 years of their franchise's history and so Minnesota is now playing in the first round against Memphis they're probably going to get eliminated by Memphis and this is the time to talk about Minnesota and why I'm falling in love with the storylines 
of this Minnesota Timberwolves team. It's a storyline that's going to flame out in about a week once they're down 3-1 against Memphis. But for now, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And so here on this wonderful Wired Up and on YouTube, I wanted to tell a short oral history of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And we can go back further in time to the Kevin Garnett years and the early, early days of the franchise and NBA expansion and all kinds of stuff like that. But I want to just pick up at the end of the Kevin Garnett run. Like, why is this a miserable existence for the Minnesota Timberwolves over the last 15, really now like 17 years, if you want to include that. But it's been 15 years since Kevin Garnett got traded. Uh, For people who may or may not remember, Minnesota got to the conference championship the year that Kevin Garnett won MVP, and then the next year missed the playoffs, and then the next year Kevin Garnett got injured, and Minnesota won like 30 games, Flip Saunders leaves, Minnesota's kind of in a place where they are just kind of hovering, they're hovering on first place, they're not really doing well at this point. There's also an amazing statistic that the Minnesota Timberwolves have where Uh, They only missed the playoffs without Flip Saunders and only made the playoffs with Flip Saunders. It's a pretty incredible statistic that they have in there for like 20 years or something. But anyways, Minnesota gets to 2007. They're two years removed from Kevin Garnett winning MVP, greatest season in franchise history. The only season where the franchise actually mattered. Made it to the conference finals, lost to that Gary Payton, Carl Malone, Shaq, Kobe, Lakers team. Three years later... They're ready to trade Kevin Garnett. Flip Saunders is gone. They are tearing down the franchise as we speak. And by the way, they had to convince Kevin Garnett to leave Minnesota. They had to go to him and say, Kevin, we need you to waive the no trade clause here because he didn't want to leave Minnesota. And they had to convince him this was best for both parties. And so Kevin Garnett got traded to Boston. They end up getting out of the trade Al Jefferson and Corey Brewer, or a draft pick that becomes Corey Brewer, Gerald Green, Ryan Gomes, Theo Ratliff, I think Sebastian Telfair was also included in that deal, but they just get a hodgepodge of pieces and some draft picks for Kevin Garnett, which in the modern NBA is not exactly the move. Like the Kevin Garnett trade is one of those that kind of influence the, the modern NBA trade cycle, which is if you're trading a superstar like Kevin Garnett, a former MVP, you expect to get back the possibility of acquiring a Kevin Garnett down the road. And so the Timberwolves did the thing basically where, and we talk about this in the NFL sometimes with like the Jaguars trading Jalen Ramsey because they were going to be bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence or the Jets trading Jamal Adams because it made them bad enough to get Zach Wilson or it made them bad enough again to get the number four pick in this year's draft. So like, Part of tanking is your best asset is going to be the draft picks that you get for being terrible. And so in 2008, Minnesota, the first season post-Kevin Garnett, Minnesota gets Kevin Love. They actually drafted O.J. Mayo, but they traded O.J. Mayo for Kevin Love. And they get Kevin Love in exchange for Kevin Garnett, not directly because it was their own draft pick. I mean, they technically trade OJ Mayo, but they get the number three pick in the draft and that's what they use to get Kevin Love. So in essence, they got rid of Kevin Garnett and were bad enough to get Kevin Love. And Al Jefferson was a fine player for Minnesota. This just brings up kind of the issue that Minnesota had over the years and why they kept missing the playoffs was Minnesota got talented players 
and yet those players always seem to get better when they left Minnesota. So for instance, Al Jefferson goes from Boston to Minnesota, spends four years in Minnesota, averages 17 a game, and then goes to Utah, and Al Jefferson is a more functional piece of winning because he's not the only piece in Minnesota. Instead of being the best player, he's the third best player, and he improves his points per game and rebounds in Utah. Uh, Corey Brewer, same case, he had the famous 50-point game with Minnesota, but Corey Brewer leaves and gets better when he goes to, say, the Rockets or goes to the Lakers. Corey Brewer gets better. Wayne Ellington was a draft pick they had like late in the draft in like 2008. And Wayne Ellington is still in the NBA. Like Wayne Ellington's had like a 14-year career, but they basically traded him for nothing after three years. They also traded for Michael Beasley when the Lake or when Miami needed to dump Beasley so they could form the big three, and that didn't work out. But then Beasley still ended up having a 12-year NBA career after he left Minnesota. Minnesota's concern is with player development more than anything else. The thing, though, was you don't have to develop players that just don't need development. Like, for instance, Kevin Love is so gifted at basketball that he's going to succeed no matter what situation you put him in. He's just that gifted and no amount of mismanagement could ruin Kevin Love. Kevin Love is just an incredible, incredible basketball player. And so Minnesota had a four-year run with Kevin Love, and it kind of starts around 2010 when Kevin Love really starts popping off. And they don't win any games because they can't develop any second star to Kevin Love. And because they have Kevin Love, they don't get high enough draft picks to get someone as good, if not better, than Kevin Love. Which, as we're talking about the players that they had, because the the point that I wanted to make there is like Minnesota had fine players. It wasn't that Minnesota was terrible. It's just they had depth and didn't have top-end talent, which brings us to the famous Johnny Flynn, Ricky Rubio draft. Because for people who remember... They took Ricky Rubio at pick five. They took Johnny Flynn, also a guard, at pick six. And then pick seven was Stephen Curry. So if they get Stephen Curry, it probably changes the course of the franchise the same way the Sacramento Kings, if they'd gotten Damian Lillard one pick after Thomas Robinson, or they got Clay Thompson one pick after Jimmer Ferdette, or they got Luka Doncic one pick after Marvin Bagley. Like that's how you miss the playoffs for 15, 16 consecutive years is you make poor decisions in the draft. And Minnesota really had like one of those because like Corey Brewer with the seven pick is still a pretty good draft pick. Wayne Ellington with pick 28, still a pretty good draft pick in the grand scheme of things. They just had the one embarrassing flop of we have two picks in the top six And we turned it into Ricky Rubio, who again is a fine point guard. He'll be a fifth or sixth best player on an average team. And Ricky Rubio was followed up by Johnny Flynn. And so that mess up was the one thing that set Minnesota back four to five years. Because if you get Steph Curry, even if Steph Curry doesn't want to stay in Minnesota, you at least get some playoff run with Steph Curry and Kevin Love. And when Kevin Love still has two years of team control in 2014 you don't trade him to the Cleveland Cavaliers for the number one pick that ends up being Andrew Wiggins you don't make that move if you at least have playoff runs with Steph Curry and Kevin Love and Kevin Love is still under contract so because they couldn't put anything else around Kevin Love who by the way it was just really bad luck that Minnesota never made the playoffs with Kevin Love it was like 12th place 
12th place, 10th place. Like they were bad, but they weren't like catastrophically bad in the four years that they had Kevin Love. The first time, the first year, yeah, they were really bad. Actually, the first, the first Kevin Love season in 2011. Yeah, they stunk. And they used the number four pick in the draft on Wesley Johnson, which again, when Wesley Johnson leaves Minnesota, Wesley Johnson ends up having a pretty good NBA career, goes to Phoenix and the Clipper. He was a huge part of that Clippers team that almost made it to the playoffs. Like, yeah, he ends up being a draft bust, but he got better after he left Minnesota. And so that those two years of picks, I'll throw Wesley Johnson in the mix there because he never averaged more than like 10 points a game, but drafting Johnny Flynn at pick five, or Ricky Rubio pick five, Johnny Flynn pick six, Wesley Johnson pick four in 2010, that set the franchise back by about five years because they already struggled to develop talent, and so the way you succeed is by getting players more talented than, say, Ricky Rubio, Wesley Matthews, and Johnny Flynn with those picks. You luck into, say, Boogie Cousins, who has taken a couple picks after. You draft Steph Curry, and all of a sudden it looks totally different. And they had the draft picks to do that. They just missed out, and it set the franchise back. And so now they have a 10-year playoff drought by the time you get to 2014. And now Minnesota's getting the talented players. They're not generational stars like Steph Curry would have been, but they're like as good as Boogie Cousins. They're like really good players, really talented players that even if you don't develop them correctly, which Minnesota did not develop some of these guys correctly, they're still going to be really good basketball players, if not like tier three stars or tier four stars, which is like you either write them in for the all-star team every year like you would with Boogie Cousins, or they're like a fourth tier all-star where in every six years, they'll make two all-star teams which is kind of like what Sabonis is for the Kings right now, or kind of what D'Angelo Russell was for a short time, or how some people feel about Brandon Ingram. Like Those types of guys you can get at the top of the draft because they're just going to be talented enough where even if they don't develop beyond what they already have, they can still be top 30 to 40 players in the NBA because the essence of tanking and the whole strategy of tanking is all of this is about probabilities and all of the drafting strategies is about the probability of getting a really talented player. And the best chance of getting a really talented player is at the top of the draft in a year that happens to have a transcendent talent like John Morant, like Luka Doncic, like Zion Williamson. Top of the draft, you get a generational talent. And Minnesota, after trading Kevin Love, spent so many years at the top of the draft that it was inevitable that they were going to get some caliber of talented players. So they got the number one pick in 2014 by trading for Andrew Wiggins. They got the number 13 first overall pick, Anthony Bennett, who was already a bit of a bust by the time they traded for him. And they were so bad that they got the number one pick in 2015 and drafted Carl Anthony Towns. And Carl Anthony Towns was a fantastic, fantastic generational talent type player when he was coming out of college. He was not talked about in the same way people talk about Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis being the number one pick in his draft class by like the most talented prospect since Kevin Durant. But Carl Anthony Towns was a lock to go number one. If the Lakers had gotten the number one pick, which they had picked two and took D'Angelo Russell, 
if the Lakers had the number one pick, they would have taken Carl Anthony Towns. If Philadelphia had the number one pick, they would have taken Carl Anthony Towns. It was basically like, this guy's number one, then the rest of the class filters in. And by the way, it kind of ended up being correct. I know Devin Booker was like a surprise in that class at pick 13, and he turned into a, you know, right now a better player than Carl Anthony Towns. But it's still interesting that Carl Anthony Towns was far and away the first pick. And even though people view his career early on as a disappointment, he's viewed as partially a disappointment because of how high the expectations were for him coming out of college. And so if you trade Kevin Love and you're bad enough to acquire Carl Anthony Towns, again, that's a little bit of a victory when you're doing the trade. And so now as they go through the same cycle again, where they got or they traded Kevin Garnett and got Kevin Love. And now they traded Kevin Love and they were bad enough to get Carl Anthony Towns. How do you supplement around Carl Anthony Towns? And their way was Wiggins, who, as much as Wiggins was an empty stat guy for Minnesota, who could give you 22 a game, didn't play defense, wasn't efficient. Wiggins was still a solid piece. And that's sometimes all you can ask for when you're trading a star player is a piece that you know is going to give you 20 points a game. Even if it's empty, it's sometimes the best you can ask for because it's just a really bad situation that you find yourself in. And then they got little pieces built on here and there. And by the way, they actually made a great draft pick in 2013, or I'm sorry, in 2016 by drafting Zach Levine. And Zach Levine was the key piece that they used to acquire a player better than Zach Levine, which is Jimmy Butler. The one good piece that Minnesota got that wasn't at the top of the draft, because I I mentioned on the podcast we did before, Carl Anthony Towns, number one pick in the draft. Uh, Anthony Edwards, number one pick in the draft. Andrew Wiggins was the number one pick in the draft, and he was traded for D'Angelo Russell, the number two pick in his draft class. The only way Minnesota gets talented players is by being bad enough to get at the top of the draft and get those talented players and just luck into them. Because like we said before, they messed up on Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio over Steph Curry. They messed up on Wesley Johnson over Boogie Cousins. Like even if they mess up, eventually if you stay at the top of the draft long enough, you're going to get some measure of talented players because it's it's probabilities And eventually the probabilities are going to work in your favor. Not just probabilities of the draft lottery, but just probabilities of picking players that everyone, like there's more people scouting than there is a need to scout players. And so they got Zach Levine with pick 13 or pick 14, one of the two. And that turned into an awesome piece because you could argue Zach Levine is as good as Carl Anthony Towns. The only difference is that Carl Anthony Towns is seven feet tall and can shoot threes and Zach Levine is six foot four and just plays a totally different style of basketball but you could argue that Zach Levine and Carl Anthony Towns are nearly as equal to winning as each other Towns is more valuable but you could make the argument they're in like one tier removed from each other like Carl Anthony Towns is a perennial all-star tier three and Zach Levine is tier four like they're not that far off from each other and so they use that to acquire Jimmy Butler who I would make the argument is the most talented player Minnesota has ever had in their franchise since, uh, uh, sorry, non-Kevin Garnett category. In the non-Kevin Garnett category, you could make the argument Jimmy Butler is the best player Minnesota has had. And so 
Butler's one season in Minnesota, they they were a three seed for a while, but then Jimmy Butler got hurt, and so they fell down to like seven, eight, nine seed, and they got in the playoffs as an eight seed. And you know how we said Tuesday's game was, or I guess that would have been Wednesday. Wednesday's game where Wiggins is, or where Edwards is standing on the table and Beverly's crying and throwing his jersey in the crowd because he got the game winning steal. We said that was the biggest moment in 15 years in the Timberwolves franchise. Before that, the biggest moment was that 2018 season when Jimmy Butler and Carl Towns and Wiggins broke the playoff drought for Minnesota on the last day of the season, beating the Denver Nuggets with Jokic, by the way, who the next season they'd go on to like win 60 games or something, but they just missed the playoffs in that season. And the Minnesota Timberwolves ended up winning 47 games that year, which they should have won 50 if Jimmy doesn't get hurt. And then they're like a four seed in the playoffs. But they get a tier two star in Jimmy Butler, supplement it with another all-star in Carl Anthony Towns. And all of a sudden, Minnesota ends up having a playoff team. And they get bounced in the first round because they get a bad matchup against the Rockets team that almost beat the Warriors in 2018. But they still made it to the playoffs, and that was supposed to be a stepping stone for Minnesota. The problem was, Jimmy Butler was on his way out the door because Minnesota traded for him with two years left on his contract. And after one year, Jimmy Butler decided, nah, not gonna not gonna sign that extension. I don't want to be in Minnesota. I don't like Carl Anthony Towns. I want to hit free agency, all that stuff. That we saw happen with Jimmy Butler. Like, he goes to Philadelphia and they get pennies on the dollar for him in a trade. Like, it was Robert Covington and Dario Saric, which, in fairness, they did get like a first round pick for Robert Covington later. But it was, they didn't get really anything for Jimmy Butler in a trade with Philadelphia. They just did the best they could because they knew Jimmy Butler was going to leave in free agency. And by the way, Jimmy Butler exposed to everyone that Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins low-key kind of (laughs) soft and Jimmy Butler like has the famous practice where he shows up with the third stringers and destroys Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins and screams you need me you effing need me while allegedly wearing a Rolex during the entire game so like that's the famous moment where they got the one year they could have built something more not to winning a championship but they could have built a consistent playoff team the same way Utah They could have built the Utah Jazz. If Jimmy Butler and Carl Towns stay together, they would have been the Utah Jazz, make four straight playoff appearances. That would have been what they did. And so they built it really well. And then it all got undone because Jimmy Butler didn't want to stay in Minnesota, which is the risk you run in the NBA when contracts are only four years long and you're trading for a guy who's two years away from unrestricted free agency. It's just the risk you got to run sometimes. It's the reason the Bulls were willing to trade Jimmy Butler to Minnesota in the first place. And so Jimmy Butler leaves. They go into another rebuild period because, again, they got pennies on the dollar for Jimmy Butler. And then the pandemic season happens and they just bottom out altogether because Carl Towns has injuries during the season, even though like between 2018 and 2019, once Jimmy leaves... In an 82-game stretch, Carl Towns averaged 30 points and 10 rebounds a game for an 82-game stretch. It just happened to be split over two seasons. 
So his numbers are gigantic, and he's the only good thing they have there. And Wiggins is falling out of love because Wiggins hasn't gotten better since his second year, and now he's in year seven, and he's still just a third or fourth best player on your team. And so they flip him for D'Angelo Russell, which ends up actually being a pretty good deal. Like they traded him, they traded D'Angelo Russell for Wiggins and the number, I think it was the number eight pick in the draft that ended up becoming um, not Kaminga, not Moody. I can't remember who the other rookie is for the Warriors, but it ended, or the young guy. It was the Wiseman draft class. I can't remember who the pick was for Golden State now, but Golden State had like the eight pick in the draft. But anyways, so the trade right before the pandemic for D'Angelo Russell was just kind of like a, we've cashed out on Wiggins. Let's take another top of the draft guy who's at least once made an all-star team. And hey, we'll toss in an extra draft pick to make it worth your while. One of the draft picks, I think they got in the, it wasn't in the Jimmy Butler trade. I can't remember how they got that extra draft pick, but they got a second draft pick and then they still had their own, which ended up becoming Anthony Edwards. They won the draft lottery in 2020. You know, good luck goes your way. If you stay at the top of the lottery long enough, you'll get good pieces. Like the year before, they got the sixth pick and took Jarrett Culver, who they then flipped for Patrick Beverly. Fun fact, they flipped Culver for Beverly. And they just eventually got lucky and got Anthony Edwards. And the Ant-Man, who we all love right now, the Ant-Man is a true number one. Now, like time will tell what he develops into, and maybe he is a generational star. I I think the more likely scenario is he's like a tier two star and he's a tier two star right now, which means that like give it a few years and Anthony Edwards could end up being like a tier like MVP candidate. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's just looking at the trajectory. If this is a building block season for Minnesota where they make the playoffs next year and then they make the playoffs again after that and maybe they're trying to win a playoff series and Carl Anthony Towns decides to stay and be the second best player behind the Ant-Man Minnesota got lucky in 2020 that they got a generational star in their draft class Carl Anthony Towns was supposed to be a generational star and I think Carl Anthony Towns is more like a tier three star and that might just be because Carl Anthony Towns hasn't developed well like Minnesota isn't great at developing their stars. But Carl Anthony Towns is an all-star every single year. Where Anthony Edwards could be is not just an all-star every single year, but at the very least like a, a top 10 player in the MVP voting, if not getting MVP consideration in a year that goes really well for him. That might be like four or five years down the road. But if we're talking about the young guys, like the Luka Doncic and Ja Morant generation, the, the great stars of that generation are looking like Luca and John Morant and Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball and, I don't know, Zion Williamson's going to be up there if he's healthy. Jalen Green is starting to enter that draft, that, that consideration, that conversation. And so those are the guys that are going to impact, quote-unquote, winning in that way. It's going to be really, really interesting to watch it play out because... Anthony Edwards has the potential to, as great as Jimmy Butler was, be the best player Minnesota has had since uh, since Kevin Garnett. And that includes the Kevin Love years when he was a perennial all-star candidate. And that includes Carl Towns. And that maybe includes Jimmy Butler. 
that's how good the Ant-Man could possibly be because he's the best player right now on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they find themselves in the first round of the playoffs in just his second season in the NBA. Now, it helps that they already had another all-star in Carl Towns already ready-made on the roster, which is like the Mavericks with Luka don't have that, but Luka's so good that he gets them 50 wins just by existing at that place. Anthony Edwards, he can be as good as Jimmy Butler was, and he might be around for seven to eight years. So this is how Minnesota breaks their decade-long drought, is by having enough terrible basketball after 15 years and messing up draft pick after draft pick after draft pick to finally getting three of them right. And with Wiggins' case, flipping Wiggins at the exact right time to get a better third star then Andrew Wiggins, who was their third star during the Jimmy Butler, Carl Towns run that got them the one playoff appearance. So D'Angelo Russell, true third star, fringe all-star. They have three top 50 players in the NBA and three top 50 players in the NBA can make you as good as the Utah Jazz. That's a good comparison point, actually. If Anthony Edwards can be as good as Donovan Mitchell, then Minnesota is going to make the playoffs every single year in the Western Conference. Sure, they might lose in the first round, But if you're Minnesota, trade four straight playoff appearances after 15 years of losing. It's a really cool story that they're finally back in contention. And by the way, if a generational star becomes available like Jokic or something, maybe you flip Carl Towns to get a generational star. They have an opportunity to do that sometime down the road, but they've just finally got the talented base level, which is they went from having one top 50 player for about... I'd say 10 years to two top 50 players with Carl Towns and Jimmy Butler for one season to now they have three top 50 players. Ant-Man, who's a tier three young star, Carl Towns, who's an all-star every year, and D'Angelo Russell, who's a top 40 player every single year. They've got three guys, and that means Minnesota might be a perennial playoff team. Maybe Carl Towns leaves after one more season or like says he's not going to resign, but for the time being, still a pretty cool place for the Minnesota Timberwolves to be in. So there's your 15 years of how did the Minnesota Timberwolves get to this place? Call it an oral history of sorts of the terrible trials of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Some other fun things I forgot to mention. Uh, the previous general manager, Gerson Rosas, was fired for having an affair within the organization. Glenn Taylor has talked about selling the team and moving the team, which is the other part of this is like, how do you get Minnesota to become a viable place? Because sometimes you don't have to draft generational stars. Occasionally they get undervalued in free agency and you can throw money at them and you can sign all-stars because eventually all-stars come available or eventually you trade draft picks for them. Minnesota did it for Jimmy Butler. It's just that Minnesota is not really a desirable destination for free agents like, say, Gordon Hayward to go sign. And Gordon Hayward's a third best player, and they haven't needed a Gordon Hayward in the past, but Minnesota doesn't do so hot in uh, convincing people to want to play in Minnesota because Minnesota is a poorly run franchise in a poor geographic location with an old rundown stadium. It's not necessarily the most sexy thing to have, and so the Timberwolves have to pay what we call in the NFL the Jaguars tax, which is you got to pay people more for the tax of playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves organization. 
And in a max contract NBA, it's hard to convince people to come play for Minnesota, which is the thing people talk about all the time when they say small market syndrome in the NBA or small market problems is like in a sport with a max contract and everyone can pay the same, what's your incentive to go to any other place besides like Minnesota and Sacramento? Like your incentive even to go to like Indiana is higher than it is to go to Minnesota because Minnesota has been just such a poorly run organization for so long. So they have to overpay if they want to pay free agents, which good on Minnesota for not doing it. Their version of the overpay is just D'Angelo Russell makes the max. Andrew Wiggins made the max for years. Carl Towns makes like 35 mil a year. That's kind of their version of the ta- of the uh, the Jaguar tax in, in Minnesota. So they haven't really spent big money on free agents because it's hard to convince big free agents to stay, especially in the aftermath of the Jimmy Butler situation. Jimmy Butler kind of just exposed how dumb the whole organization was. Also, they've had a bunch of rotating coaches. Some of them are fun. Some of them are less fun. Minnesota's pretty much minor league basketball. And there's been relocation talks for years, and they just sold the team to to Alex Rodriguez and his rich friend, but I don't remember his name. It just gets to be Alex Rodriguez with the Timberwolves and Gled Taylor finally moves on after being Mr. Minnesota, even though his political leanings are definitely objectionable. He very much is Mr. Minnesota, keeping the team afloat there. Finally ended up selling the team, and maybe they'll stay, maybe they won't, but they have like a five-year rule of you can't move the team or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but team might stay in Minnesota, and having the equivalent of the Utah Jazz and winning a playoff game against the Memphis Grizzlies might be the thing that's a stepping stone for great things in Minnesota basketball.